Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Race for the Ring, episode 58, The Trauma Bond with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, clinical psychologist. You're listening to The Race for the Ring. I am your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, motivational author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and a single mom. Since re-entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye-opening. In the age of Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge, there seems to be more horror stories and humor than happy endings among my friends and social circles. And I want to know why. Each week, we'll chat with a different dating queen or king, socialite or relationship expert, and explore the many facets of dating today, pitfalls to steer clear from, and how to find the finest fish in the sea. Get ready, set, go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Race for the Ring. Today, we have my star client and already one-time Race for the Ring guest, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman on, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about what trauma bonding is and how to break the chains of a trauma bond. And unbeknownst to me, I really thought trauma bonding, which it can be, um, she she did say, um, is basically when you connect with another person mostly because you've experienced some sort of trauma together, perhaps an illness or maybe like um, a tragedy, like a horrible car accident or something of that nature. But it can also really be when you two connect and collide in an unhealthy way. You do fit, but you fit in a toxic way. So she breaks that all down for us and basically shares some signs that we can look for in the beginning of relationships so that we don't get too sucked in and then it's hard to essentially set yourself free. So a little bit about Jamie. Dr. Zuckerman. She um, is super, super present on Instagram. If you follow her um, and she shares all of her information about where to find her, she shares a lot of really interesting stories and um, really compelling videos on her social media platforms, kind of focusing on all of the different dynamics of, of relationships, healthy, unhealthy, how to work on yourself to be the, the most helpful partner possible. Uh, she's trained in cognitive behavior. She's, a, as I mentioned, a, you know, a full service therapist and basically has dedicated her life to development of emotional coping skills and helping those um, that are engrossed in unproductive patterns to sort of set themselves free and instead of feeling that they're stuck and basically in the same place day in and day out. Her main MO, which I find most impressive, is her um, basically her 
mindset of not to punish the one in front of you for the mistakes that were made from the one behind you. And by that, she basically is saying not to punish your new partner or new prospective boyfriend or girlfriend because of what you went through with a past partner or boyfriend and girlfriend to be open-minded and open-hearted and obviously do the the due diligence of personal work so that you can be the best version of yourself. I'm very, very, very excited to welcome Jamie Zuckerman. Hi, Dr. Zuckerman. Welcome back. This is round two of a race for the ring for you. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so fun. You are like one of our favorite clients at MV and Associates. We love you. And um, oh, thank you. Of course. It's true though. And um, also like I've really become quite um, an Instagram fan of yours, just like learning from your posts. And even when you post things that don't necessarily speak to me personally, being someone as, as our obviously race for the ring listeners are in the dating world, you know, you never know what you're going to be up against. You can always learn from other people's, I don't want to call them mistakes because they learn mm -hmm. from them, right? But just like perhaps hiccups along the way. Mm -hmm. And I find mm -hmm. it really interesting having obviously this podcast now to learn as much as there is to the dating world and just relationships in general about like pitfalls and obviously, you know, happy times and things like mm -hmm. that. So, um, before we get into it, um, for people out there who don't know how amazing you are, like me, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you do this every day. You make me feel good. <laughs> no, not at all. No, you you are like, I'm a huge fan. So Thank I you. actually recently on one of your um your I guess webinars with like web sessions um where we dived into narcissism specifically. It was very interesting. I found um to learn about that like more from a I guess a deeper perspective about all the different types of narcissism and workplace narcissism and all of that. So anyway, I, this show is obviously not about narcissism, but can you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing maybe on a wider scale of like people perhaps are listening in California. We have a lot of Australian listeners. Mm -hmm. We have a lot that are actually listening from like England and other parts of the world. So if they want to find you or they want to learn more, participate in one of these um, courses, let's talk a little bit about that. Because you do- Sure, thank you. Sure, go ahead. Thank you. So um, all my, so I, I do a workshop once a month. Um, usually the topic has something to do with relationship dynamics or anxiety, depression, coping skills. And I try to make it as kind of fact, Face as far as um, not so much research, but application, how you can actually understand it without all the psychobabble and how you can actually apply it to your everyday. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's usually most helpful, giving a lot of examples, relationship examples. So the workshops are on my website, drjamiezuckerman.com under the workshop tab. Uh, and if you can't make the live ones once a month, you can always at any point in time uh, listen to the downloaded audio version of it or Zoom recorded version of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always up on there. I have a newsletter that goes out once a month that you can sign up for on the website as well that just talks about kind of what's coming up. Usually I have a topic of the month that'll correspond with the workshop and um, just kind of upcoming lives that I do a lot of time with other psychologists on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is dr.z underscore psychologist. 
I post a lot of information, as you said, Mindy, on relationships and narcissism, anxiety, how to manage it in your day-to-day. Um, and I share a lot of other psychologists' information as well. So it's just a good resource to have uh, to reference, you know, for really any type of relationship difficulty. Yeah, even if you're in a, ha- a healthy one right now, mm-hmm. just to inform yourself, I think. Um, so maybe if things go sour, or perhaps you have a friend that's going through a bad time or something, mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's never, you know, there's not never enough information to go around, certainly, or right. information, you can always learn more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that came out correctly, but you get what I'm trying to say. No, but- yeah, I mean, people change yes. over time. <laughs> Relationships change over time. We yeah. change over time. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so relationships naturally are going to fluctuate. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's never yeah. never too late to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure you've seen your fair share with the pandemic of a lot of anxiety and stress related to relationships specifically, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Commit murder to yep. their partners and stuff. <laughs> I've seen a lot of, so I tend to see, you know, I have a kind of a biased sample with this, but I tend to see um, a lot of separation, a lot of divorce Sad. right now. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because it, it, from where I'm saying, I, when the pandemic hit, I remember people saying there's going to be this crazy baby boom. And I remember thinking, no, there's not. <laughs> No, this yeah. isn't like it's a not snow like a snowstorm where exactly. It's exactly like the snow's gonna melt in like yes. a couple of days and then everybody goes back about their yeah exactly interesting Can though you tell us, like, from, a, from yeah. a clinical perspective what's the difference like why why did you feel that way about why um, we wouldn't see the baby boom because um, a snowstorm or a or a spring break or a hot you know there's 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 an, a definitive end point to it. There's, mm-hmm. there's a predictability to it. So there's no added stress involved in it. And it's just this kind of, well, I guess I would say it's a snowstorm. It's this uninvited, welcomed, surprise downtime that has a definitive endpoint. With mm-hmm. the pandemic, you know, it, it's different. One, because it's a pandemic, people are dying. People don't want right. to get sick. So there's the added stress of that. Job loss is going on. Loss of income. Um homeschooling your children, right? I mean, right, exactly. So I am by, yeah, I am by no means equipped to homeschool three children. So yeah, and so, you know, and this could be different for, you know, different families, but I think the majority of the people, mostly women that I've spoken to, they're the ones that ended up with the homeschooling responsibilities, even yeah. if they're working. So yeah, yeah, well, they call it, like we, we work um, with a variety of, you know, um, entrepreneur business leader type that anyway some of the stuff we've been pitching for them all year was about the she session yes women are not only losing their basically being laid off but they've had to make leave their work because they couldn't handle and then you factor in a single mom (laughs) or like you you're running your practice you're probably busier now than ever because there's such a man and then you young children it's just a bloody nightmare it is it is. And, you know, and as, as hands-on, you know, as, um, you know, dads maybe, and, you know, if you, if you're fortunate to have sitters or help, you know, yeah, but it's still hard though. It's still hard. So, yeah. so there was that component to it. So, at, I mean, at the end of this long day from seven to seven and people get in bed, no one feels like doing anything, right? Everyone's right. just moody and miserable and wants to go to bed. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, the pandemic didn't allow people to escape bad marriages. 
They yeah. had to be in it at all times. There was literally nowhere to go. Yeah. So there was a lot, there was unfortunately an increase in domestic violence. There was an increase in, you know, verbal abuse. Um, there was an increase actually, this was interesting. There was a decreased reporting of child abuse, but it wasn't because there was a decrease. It was because kids weren't going to school. So nobody was reporting it. Oh gosh. Yes. Bad. So, yeah. So all of that taken together, people were drinking more because everyone, yeah. you know, out of their minds, we don't, you know, drug yeah. use went up. So, you yeah. know, um, online shopping, gambling, all of these things went up. So it really doesn't yeah. make for a good relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I know, you know, it's totally off topic and we'll get right back yeah. to what the show is about. But today, in fact, I was reading something about the uptick in people becoming like shopaholics mm-hmm. pandemic. And I was like, okay, that's 100% me. I yeah. always had a little bit of a flair for shopping anyway. I know too, most girls, I think that like fashion and are interested mm-hmm. too, but it literally was like my only like pleasure you know, exactly. like it's the only exactly. thing I was like, I'm using really seeing friends. That's I mean, I did right. not like I used to, I wasn't going out. Like, you know, certainly wasn't really dating anybody special right. or even dating at all. Sometimes like, yeah, it's yeah. So we're buying shoes and bags. Where are we going? Nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So buying, no. <laughs> like I bought aviator nation sweatsuits, like going out of style. Right. Like, where are we going? Oh, $200 for that. Right. $300 right. for that. Like for right. sweatsets. So like, exactly. like, oh, I'm like a Miriam. I'm in chaser today. <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I'm in my aviator. I just bought this week. I'm like, <laughs> I saw him from Dr. Robbie's post. Right, 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 right. Random stuff. I'm like, I didn't see anyone. Mm-hmm. I sat in my office mm-hmm. all day in my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So back to the relationship. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, yeah, that makes perfect sense at what you're saying. So let's get into um, one of the issues with relationships that people obviously are dealing with, maybe more now than ever, perhaps, is the trauma bonding. Can you explain to me? Mm-hmm. to everybody listening obviously what that is I mean I guess when I first like heard of this term I thought it was a bond between two people that experienced trauma together like maybe someone was very it is okay someone was, well, no it's, it's kind of a misconception you don't have to have a, a traumatic event okay trauma bonding relationship it's kind of the it's it's a, the word is used differently for both so it's not I mean, I guess they could have, they're probably more at risk for PTSD, but they, it's, it's, you don't have to have Trump. traumatic experience. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't have been mm-hmm. dying of cancer, God forbid. And like your saved, not saved you, but like stuck by your side Correct. and then, then you're better and you're in remission, maybe you're cured. And then all of a sudden, you know, things go ugly in your relationship, but you don't feel like you can leave because you feel devoted to the person because they were, is that considered trauma bonding or no? um, It it could be, it depends on the severity of the codependency. Uh It depends on the couple's ability to work through that. Okay. You know, it it depends on a lot of factors. Um, Mm -hmm. Typically with, with trauma bonding, the relationships in general start off very intense. Okay. And what do you mean? Um, like meaning heavy, you know, like super chemistry. Yeah, very quick, very fast soulmate. This, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for you my whole life. Very intense. 
um, like and you'll love bombing. Is it? Similar? It is. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, so you see this a lot with narcissists and people that tend to be more dependent in nature. Okay. Um, and, and I'll explain why, but, but it is very common in, in relationships where somebody is narcissistic. Um, it's common in relationships where, you know, somebody is not just taking care of others, but takes care of others to the point of total neglect of themselves. That They don't matter. Their opinions don't matter. Things like that. So, um, it's more about the, the, the two dynamics being kind of, if you think of a puzzle piece, mm-hmm. but like together. the bump end and the yeah. whole end yeah. are toxic patterns that fit very nicely together. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Okay. So can you kind of explain for me and again, everyone listening before we get to some of what these scenarios are and what they look like and how to get out of it, how to realize you're in something like this. What is the, what are the main differences between being with a narcissistic person who is love bombing you and then turns like their ugly side, the switch Mm -hmm. on and then they're basically not psycho because it's the wrong word. Mm -hmm with you on my show mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know don't say it I will um, or, <laughs> it's the end of the day here on the east coast everybody please me. And, uh, <laughs> and then also um I guess what a trauma bond situation is mm-hmm. so it, psychotic but I don't know yeah so it really doesn't look too different to be honest with you in the beginning because even though it looks the same on the, on the, the function may be a little different based uh-huh. on the, the codependency patterns that, are, that exist, but, but in general, um, they, it looks pretty similar because what it is, is the person is kind of has this idealized version of what their partner, of what they want their partner to be. Okay. And they go in hot and heavy in the beginning, both parties. For their uh-huh. own separate reasons. And you again, you see this a lot with narcissists because this happens a lot with people that are very dependent in nature or, um, you know, very that overly caregiving role. So uh-huh. um, you do see that, but, but on the surface, it, it really, it really looks the same. Um, uh-huh. It's, you know, we fit, we're like soulmates. I can, I've never felt like this with anybody before. It's extremely intense and it usually ends faster and, and poorly, um, it can linger for a very long time, which develops into that codependency, but it's never a healthy relationship. It's usually a very toxic, uh, tumultuous, long-term codependent type relationships. Why? What would, okay. So, um, just from attending your, yeah. our narcissism, I learned that the narcissist is basically someone who's you applying, like, I guess, learned skills from childhood that help mm-hmm. them cope with either a neglectful situation or being put up on a pedestal, as you put it, the golden child. Mm-hmm. Um, and is just basically use that mindset in adult life, which is no longer serving them or their partners, right? Right. Their yep. coworkers or whatever it may be. So you really got that. I That's did. Great. I really did. I actually took good. notes and everything. Wow. <laughs> it was so good. That was really good. I was a student. You couldn't see, but I was like really. I was a good student in school, anyway. So I'm like, I mean, really impressed. That was that was like the, that was set better than I did. That was great. Thanks. 
<laughs> um, or, but, okay, so back to my question, or, um, so what's, what is the foundation of the, um, the trauma? I mean, the person causing this trauma bond, um, I guess the person who's creating the trauma, I don't know what you would call them, you know? So they both, it, it's not that they're both trauma people. It's not that they had trauma. It's that their patterns mm -hmm. are, are toxic, but yet the toxic patterns complement each other mm. to, to create this kind of traumatic dynamic. It's okay. traumatic okay. in nature, meaning it's tumultuous, it's abusive, it's uncertain, uh -huh. it's unstable, and it's traumatizing. It's not that two people have to experience trauma. Itself. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Why, first, before we get into what that looks like. Yeah. Why does someone do that? Why would some, so you're, they just, they collide? Or do you think that this is in their makeup before they get in a relationship? Or mm -hmm. if they met someone and it just like brings it out of them. Okay. What it, what yeah. It, so I think it's probably a little bit of all of the above, depending on the situation. I, mm -hmm. I, it's, it's usually people that are looking for somebody, let's say, to take care of. Let's say that growing up, they were um, expected to take care of everybody else. And if they did anything for themselves, they were selfish, they were bad children. Um, you know, they, they were rude, they were inconsiderate. You know, you should only speak when spoken to, but to like an unhealthy degree, their opinions were shut, shut down. So, let's say as an adult, they still feel that way about themselves, they will naturally, unless they work on this and have awareness of it, they will gravitate towards people who allow for their pattern to continue to manifest. Okay. And the only type of person really that's going to allow that to happen without somebody saying, you know, Mindy, do you ever like, do you ever just wanna do something for yourself? How come yeah. you don't do anything for yourself? So who's not going to say that? Someone who's a narcissist. Yeah. Because if you go do something for yourself one day, what do they, I mean, that, that has, is a yeah, they don't want you to, to do them. yourself. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. It's all about them. So, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, any type of unhealthy pattern, let's say that you were brought up in a very critical environment. Nothing you did was good enough. You know, you got an A, why didn't you get an A plus? You got an A plus, why didn't you get a hundred? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you play second singles. Why aren't you playing first singles? You're ranked hundred. Why aren't you, you know, 99, whatever. Right. So you may graduate, gra gravitate naturally towards another person who has patterns that are very quick. Maybe they speak to you in a very critical manner. They say nothing you do is good enough. And so you seek that out because that is familiar to you and it reinforces that pattern for you. And in a way you kind of, you depend on that because if you don't have that, then you're going to be forced into a situation where, which would be healthy, but you don't know that at the time because it scares the crap out of you, where maybe what you're doing is okay. Like maybe what you're doing is actually good. And what would that do for you? That can be very scary to people because they'll have this massive fear of failure. Mm. So sometimes so they'd rather fail or know that they're yes. failing yes. than yes. do well exactly. and then you think they did okay and then fail? Correct. Wow. Right. So yeah. they may seek somebody out who has a very rigid personality. Or let's say that you have somebody who was neglected by their parents, right? And not just not just with like food, clothing, things like that, but emotionally neglected. Yeah, yeah. You know, they may want to find somebody who fills that void for them 
and overdoes the emotional component to it, which may look like controlling, or they may find somebody who is just as emotionally neglectful and try to create that emotional connection, but again, fall short because this person's emotionally neglectful and closed off. Okay. So it's like they may want to seek that, but yet it, they don't get that. And it, again, it reinforces it. So it's what happens is that people become dependent on each other to reinforce these unhealthy patterns, which create this extremely toxic environment. Wow. That's why they call it codependency. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They're dependent on the other person who's horrendous for them, but that's yes. the, they're, those are the feelings that maybe they're used to growing up. And exactly. so they're, they're comfortable with, even though that's not obviously what they need or should have in their life. Correct. Okay. I mean, there's other variations of codependency. You could, you know, uh, again, well, again, like, let's say you have a spouse that tells you you're not allowed to work and they pay for everything for you. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. there's that codependency, you know, they're adjusted to that lifestyle, but if yeah. they leave, they have, what are, what are they going to do? Right. You know, they may or feel that they, they can't work. work and they, I have right. And they, they haven't yeah. worked for 20 years, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, so it's not that somebody has to have a trauma event, okay. although you can imagine that these personality styles oftentimes may have had some sort of trauma or abuse history. Right. Right. So how, when you're dating, right. And you're not like Mm -hmm. living with a person and you're not seeing them on the day to day or daily, I guess I should say, you're talking to them maybe daily. What are some of the flags? Like, I know obviously getting into a relationship or getting things like serious quickly is definitely a red flag for Mm -hmm. other situations, not just this one. What are some of the, um, I guess, signs, if you will, that you would recommend people kind of keep an eyebrow raised toward if they see it when they're dating someone in the beginning. Yeah, so definitely the getting involved too fast, obviously, um, like you said. Um, The the natural progression of things, um, it's more than just moving too fast. It's taking things like you're moving in together very quickly. You're joining bank accounts, things that are, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily think are moving quickly. We think emotionally saying, I love you. You're my soulmate, but it's, it's even more than that. It's becoming totally intertwined with each other in various domains. They can't Um, break free, right? Can't break free. On both, on both, for both Both ends, right? Yeah. So, you know, quitting your job and working in their office when you've been with them for three months, right? That kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing, which is what I kind of use with my patients as a, as a jumping off point to get into this is when you hear people and we've all have friends like this, you know, who like, I keep dating the same type of guys. Yeah. I guess you talked about in your comp in your talk. Yeah. Talk about yeah, that yeah. a little bit. Cause that's yeah. part of that pattern that you're trying to yeah. mm-hmm. look unintentionally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I yeah. Sort of feel like I can fall into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all do, you know, we all do. Sometimes, you know, we, we think about a situation that happened and we're like, oh my God, you know, I, I married my mother or, you know, or, you know, I swore I would never <laughs> yeah. sound like this and I'm speaking like my father, you know. Yeah, um, no, I feel like I'm turning into my mom a lot of ways. Yeah, so I we- I kill myself half the time. I'm horrible <laughs> thing to say to you again. So- <laughs> I, no, 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 not joking. horrible. Yeah. Not horrible. Yeah. Um, oh God, so, yeah. No, so, so you know, it, it, my rule of thumb for people is if it feels, if it constantly is toxic and you constantly are getting into these relationships and it's the same thing all over again, 
the the thing that's important to keep in mind is that it even though it feels like it's toxic it's also simultaneously familiar and because mm. we are creatures of habit we don't like change we don't like uncertainty we don't like feeling different emotions we don't like engaging in different behaviors even if we know it's healthy right it's like people who smoke or even heroin users if you ask a heroin user there's not one person who's going to say no you're wrong it's good for you right like right. everybody knows it's bad for you but it's they're locked in this this cycle this vicious pattern they can't escape from um and so the rule of thumb that i use with people is if it feels familiar and if it feels totally without anxiety and you find yourself just like an automatic pilot it's usually one of the unhealthy patterns you know it's usually an unhealthy behavior that's in line with an unhealthy pattern if you feel uncomfortable and you feel out of sorts and you feel horribly anxious, it's usually because you're doing something different that throws the entire dynamic or the entire trauma bond relationship off kilter. Right, okay. So when, when you're recognizing that you're in the situation, like obviously someone's moving quickly or maybe they're, mm -hmm. I don't know, they're, it's too late, you're in it. Like, how do you break yeah. free? Like that probably is really, really hard. I know. Yeah conference you're saying or not conference i'm calling it your summit that you have yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm kidding no it was it was really good so important my I, no it's just, <laughs> one day you'll have one um i learned that it's very hard to leave a narcissist very 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 addictive very. on both sides it's, right? it's very hard to leave any type of codependent or trauma bonding type relationship because you don't know anything else at most you know it doesn't work sometimes yeah you know the only way to really be objective to see here's the thing when you're in that type of relationship this the coping skills you have at your disposal are also within that relationship right so it's like kind of like you don't know what you don't know so you're you're trying you're using the coping skills that you have but those coping skills are within your dysfunctional system so my, my what i what i really say is you know usually i get people that come into therapy not because they realize they have unhealthy patterns they come into therapy because their relationships aren't working right right and then once we They're talk about it, it right mm -hmm. yeah 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 and then once we start talking about it then they start to realize like oh okay let me try to do this differently and they'll come in and they'll, and they'll say like i did x y and z and oh my god like they responded like this, like you predicted that, and, you know? And so once you can get a blueprint of the, of the relationship itself, you can become objective to it and look at it rather than kind of being in it and not being able to see outside of it. Mm, interesting. So how do they get the, how do they get the strength? How does somebody get the strength to, to do, to leave? I mean, yeah, it's so it's hard. And obviously if you're married and your finances and tied in with the yeah. You say they work in your office or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. that's basically a divorce, and I've right. been back. And it's right. not easy. Um, but if you're dating someone and you haven't made all of those commitments, like mm -hmm. the longer you stay, wouldn't you say it's you're going to be yep. that much more difficult to depart when the time comes? For for trauma bonding relationships, yes. For relationships that don't have that 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 interconnectedness on that toxic level, 
it's easier to get out of because both parties are aware that it doesn't work and that they they can use their same style in another relationship and have it work. They just it just right. isn't working between them. The difference between that and a trauma bonding relationship is that when they get out of this relationship, if they don't work on themselves or even identify that their patterns are toxic, let's just say they broke up because someone cheated, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. could get into another relationship. If they don't work on themselves, it's just going to be the same thing over and over and over. It may not look like that initially, right? right. Because there's, you know, if somebody feels neglected growing up and they go to seek out, they try to create this emotionally centered um, attentive person out of the person that they're dating and mm. that doesn't work out the way they want it to, they just keep trying because growing up as a child, you just keep trying to please your parents, right? If you get that neglect, you just keep trying to please them, right? Or right. if nothing right. you do is good enough, you just keep trying to please. So um, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, it, it is, it's difficult to leave because it, it, it involves a very, um, a very good awareness and like I said usually it doesn't it's not like somebody comes in and says I have these unhealthy toxic patterns they'll come in and say you know I have I'm in a horribly stressful relationship and they try to work on it and then they realize that there isn't it's not workable you know right. trauma bonding relationship isn't workable because it's it's, it's unhealthy at its core Right, right. So the person, I guess, back to the person you were saying, like, if they don't work on themselves, or I guess use a, like an example of someone who cheats, so to speak, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. continually try as opposed to someone who is a little bit healthier in their mindset, who would say, all right, this person's not, I can't make this person happy. I'm just going to leave. Mm -hmm, I wouldn't mm -hmm. put that. I mean, not the right. happiest person. Everybody's got Right. It. I certainly have my first I'm sure many of people right. dated me, but right. the Colin show. Right. <laughs> or, or here's, here's, but you know, I, I definitely wouldn't stay in a relationship if a person, right. And here's the difference. Like, let's say again, that emotionally neglectful, let's say dynamic that I was talking about in a healthy yeah. relationship, that person may just say, I need more. I thought you could give me more, but you can't. So I'm going to go, I need more. They wouldn't right. stay in the relationship and continuously try to like change you know, them or get change whatever they them. Need. Because yeah. it's not that they really want to change them. It's they're so used to the, the failure of trying to change them, which further confirms that they're unlovable. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So whereas in a healthy relationship, someone may just say like, I'm not getting what I need. And they may learn from that and then go find somebody who gives them what they need. Or the opposite, you know, the person could be emotionally neg neglectful in the other person's eyes, but they leave and they find somebody who doesn't really care if they're emotionally, you know, absent because they're like that too. And it works for them. They're not trying to get something that the other person can't give them. They're attracted to them because of what they are giving them, you know, rather than gotcha. saying, you know, I'm yeah. going to continue to try to make this person love me, knowing that they can and feeling that loss and feeling that abandonment, because that's what I'm used to. They like that feeling of abandonment. They don't like it. It's familiar to them. Got it. It's comfortable. Okay. Yeah, it's comfortable. It's that's what very they know. sad. It's very sad. That's why it's so yeah. tricky to get out of it because it's so multi-layered. Yeah, that sounds like really difficult. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay, so what would be, 
like some of the scenarios that I, I had basically kind of hit on a lot of them with breaking the bond and characteristics and um, some of the things that I was looking up said, basically, you know, they make a lot of empty promises um, when you're in mm-hmm. trauma bonding situations, I guess, mm-hmm. because they want you to stay, but they know mm-hmm. they can't deliver, but they, right. they, they make things kind of putting, you know, appeasing you for five minutes so you don't walk out mm-hmm. the door, right? Mm-hmm. Mm You've seen some of that with some of your clients that you treat? Oh, yeah, for sure. So there's there's these empty promises. It's also called future faking, where which is not a clinical term, but future faking is where they make these future-oriented promises. Mm. Like, oh, we can't go away now, but I promise we'll go away over Christmas, right? Or we can't afford this house now, but I promise you in five years, I'm going to be making enough and I will buy you that house, right? Or you know, I don't want to get engaged yet, but I promise you by Valentine's Day, we'll get engaged. And then Valentine's Day comes and there's some reason why they can. And I pro- so they, they remember they made those promises or do you think that they forget like the second it comes out of their mouth? They don't forget. It's, don't it, there's a purpose to it. Yeah. It's okay. to keep the person, it's to keep the person there. Maybe at yeah. the time they believe it, but they know because there's no discussion leading up to it. It's like just waiting, 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 rejection, waiting, waiting, waiting abandonment again, you know, that kind of thing, rather than, oh, listen, like, you know, let's say it's, it's September and they're like, listen, Mindy, it's not looking good for February. You know, let's, let's figure this out. Like we can't go away to Mexico, but maybe we can drive to the shore for the weekend. Like right. there's no, there's no yeah. working on it. Um, because the promise isn't a promise. The, the underlying function of it is solely to keep that person in that dynamic yeah yeah for people that don't need that um you know for somebody else let's say who doesn't have that style they may say okay listen buddy it's this is like now we're going on the third year of no vacation I think you're you're full of crap like that's it right like but for people that have these unhealthy patterns they may be used to growing up in an environment where they are constantly being let down. So they expect nothing. So when somebody makes this promise to them, it's like, oh, I'm so excited. And then they're let down and they're like, well, I'm used to that. Okay. Like it's, it's, it's almost, it's the norm almost. They're used to that and maybe have this sense of I'm not worthy of it anyway. Like, you know, so that's how it feeds off of each other. Yeah, it's interesting. It speaks to me a lot. Um, I'm sure it speaks to many people too. I'm sure. Yeah. We oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a shame. Mm-hmm. So, um, any up? I have. I want to switch gears because I'm curious about your opinion about one more fast topic before we have yeah. to keep up. But before we do, is there anything I'm missing with this trauma bonding that you think is important to share with our um, our listeners about any anything that additional that they should be watching out for or yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is if you find yourself um, either constantly attracting the same unhealthy relationships mm-hmm. or you find yourself in a relationship that feels eerily familiar, even though comfortable, to, you know, an unhealthy upbringing, or you just find that you're just never happy in the relationship that's kind of a, a, an indicator. I just tell people to look at that as interesting. You're curious and it allows you to get a little bit more objective to it and kind of look at mm-hmm. it a little bit. And if you mm-hmm. feel that way, you know, it's very helpful to go to therapy. A lot of people are scared that if they realize what's going on, what they already know, then they're going to have to make changes 
people don't like yeah. to change right they don't so want to like once you yeah no and once your eyes are open to it you you know once you figure out the blueprint of a relationship you can't unsee it so yeah it, it means yeah. they have to yeah. take a change make a change so I would recommend therapy I would recommend you know just know that going forward it may feel very uncomfortable in the beginning but the long-term benefits are so much healthier yeah, no, I fully agree. I'm a big advocate for therapy. Um, so, okay, so I wanted to ask you this just because it kind of plays off of what we were talking about before we got into the meat of the show about like the lack of sex and stuff amongst married mm -hmm. couples and relationships. So I read an article, I mentioned this on a, a former a show in the past, and it was recently though that I read this in the Wall Street Journal, I believe it was. And it basically stated that there's a lot of single people um, who were single throughout the pandemic, right? Um, and took a step back from dating because of safety precautions and not wanting to get sick or like infect like loved ones they wanted to keep in their bubble, so to speak, um, are now reluctant to get back into dating because they've learned to live without sex. Yeah. Like they are really happy not having sex and just happy amongst living their life as is. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it doesn't say they wouldn't want our partner, but I don't think like they're dying to jump back in bed now that they're vaccinated right. or something like that. What's your take right. on that? I found that interesting. So I think that it, de it depends on the types of relationships they're having sex in. If it's no strings attached and it's just whatever, have, they may be more inclined with that. Now this is separate from fear of getting sick. Let's like set that part aside. Yeah, it's just, okay, now yeah. we're back. The world's sort of over. Right. You know, yeah. you meet a guy out front on a right. an app and meet him on a date and then proceed yeah. to date. I, I don't know if people are just, I don't know what the article really referenced just that scenario or just yeah. general. I think people were happy. It was basically just talking about people. Yeah didn't need because it. They think people they really to live without it. it. Then, you know, I some people were excited to get in bed. Some yeah. Like, I'm just I mean, <laughs> I think oh that, I think that people realize probably that it's not as, yes, sex is important, but it's not as important as maybe they thought they were because maybe they were having sex to fill a void. Maybe they were having sex mm -hmm. because they were lonely. Maybe they were having sex because they thought that it made them you know, more Feel better about themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And because we had this forced avoidance put upon us and this forced quarantine, um, yeah. we had no choice but to kind of figure out other means to make ourselves feel better. Like right? shopping. Whatever it was. Like shopping. <laughs> so, you know, you may realize that it's much emotion, it's it's less emotionally taxing to buy a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. then having to honestly like make sure that like you're groomed your makeup's done your hair is done. like oh you know like who yeah. feels like that or I hear you out exactly oh yeah and, like yeah have to be naked and it's like such an effort so I think that people just found other things that just make them feel good about themselves now that's not to say that people aren't going to still have sex but I just think that maybe people who are having sex for reasons other than just wanting to actually have sex may not be inclined to do that because they found things that are easier, healthier, and give them the same result. So that's healthy then. That's a good thing, right? Yes. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know how long that'll last for. I'm not so sure if that's like a, a long standing thing once the world hopefully goes back to normal, because then 
the resources that you had at your disposal won't seem as necessary, right? Yeah. Because if we can go out and we can go on vacation, we can go to bars, we can go to restaurants, we're not necessarily going to be home at 10 o'clock shopping online anymore. That's true. That's a good point. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm not so sure how long it'll last. For, but I'm stuck in your house on a Zoom call, like call of exactly, your exactly. Something. And I think it's I think it's yeah. healthy for people to see that there are other options. So let's say they do get caught up in the having sex dating and that they're miserable or they're not happy or it's exhausting. They know now that if they take a break from it, they are fully capable of still being content you know, content with themselves. That they don't yeah. need that to feel good about themselves. Hmm, that's really good advice and an insight. I appreciate that. I was just You're welcome. Are we all going to become abstinent nuns or what? <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> I certainly am not. Time you. will tell. No. <laughs> there, I said it. Okay. And with good shoes. And I think good I just shoes. got more view and more more people logging onto my show. <laughs> One for the team of MB. Okay. <laughs> On that note, Dr. Z, I <laughs> am I your favorite publicist or what? Oh, good. You are hands down one of my favorite human beings, like by far. <laughs> and you've never even met me in person. I'm even more fun in person. <laughs> we have to go out. We have to I go know. out. You have to we come have to, to go the city. Out. Well, I'll go, I'm sure you really better. You could come in Manhattan sometimes. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. All right, Missy. All right. So you shared all your, your, your contacts. We're going to put everything in the um, show notes. When is your next course say? Um, um, it is. You know, the date. This is going to like, maybe I'm trying to think when this is going to come out. Um, perhaps in April when you're next. Yeah, so this is going to be the end of April. Okay. So I'll, I'll put it up April 1st um, and it'll just be up, you know, recurring throughout the month. Um, okay. And again, if you can't make the exact date, it's always up for um, download if you miss okay. it. Okay. And yeah. you guys have to be a better student than me. I was it's A plus plus. That was impressive. That was really <laughs> impressive. When I was on the honor roll in high school and Dean's List all through college. <laughs> and I'm going back to grad school, I'll probably be A plus plus there too. Yeah. I'm what they call like a psychopath overachiever. <laughs> Okay. okay. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay. My dad was a high school principal. So I was told that Caesar F. There you go. Yeah. That's probably yeah. a little bit of See, my right. logical issues right mm -hmm. there and there, but that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> so I never got a C and I never got a D. So I was afraid of getting right. Right. Stuck exactly. with the A. Exactly. Oh exactly. my God. So funny. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was really good having you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Yes, absolutely. Here. All right. Bye. Thank you. I'll talk to you yeah, soon. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Thank you for listening to the Race for the Ring. If you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast, just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death to a date. I'll catch you next week. And in the meantime, be sure to say hi and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My handles and contacts are in the show notes. It's been my pleasure to have you along for today's dating debate. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Furco's Fine Jewelry. The family-owned business is best known for their handcrafted statement pieces, engagement rings, and fashion finds. Visit them on Instagram at Furco's Fine Jewelry and make them your go-to when shopping for a special gift for a loved one, friend, or for yourself. 
race for your ring and use special code MINDY15 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Happy shopping!